The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and delighted to be back with you this week for yet another show. Uh, We're going to talk about entrepreneurship, uh, giving organizations the power to fight off unicorns and survive and thrive with my guests today, Gareth Bullen and Jamil Ahmed. Now we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, what it is, how it can improve your business performance and stop talented people leaving your organization. My guests are, are um, transformation experts um, in terms of Gareth and uh, the UK thought leader on entrepreneurship, Jamil Ahmed. And over the time that I've known these guys, uh, they've actually become really good friends over the last few months um, since Gareth actually contacted me after listening to uh, this show. Uh, they both work together. Uh, they founded the Center for Enterprise, and they help organizations increase engagement, uh, performance, customer service, innovation through building energizing entrepreneurial cultures. Uh, Gareth's got many years, 20 years of experience in consultancy, diagnosing development needs, designing high-impact leading interventions, uh, programs, workshops, coaching sessions, etc. And he speaks at a number of seminars each year and these webinar discussions. He's worked with NPower, Big Lottery Fund, NHS, etc., uh, Jamil um, also uh, works at the Centre for Enterprise. He supports HR directors and business leaders across public, private and social enterprise sectors. He's been a lecturer in business and marketing. He's a former team leader and facilitator for the prestigious Windsor Fellowship Programme. He's been starting and managing businesses for over 20 years from startups um, in um, professional services and property uh, to professional training companies and fast food. Uh, now, We've also been chatting before the show that um, that Emil, sorry, Jamil has um, perhaps been the inspiration for the recent popularity in the UK for growing a beard. He says he was the uh, first one there. Uh, I'm not quite sure that was true. I think people have probably had beards for many, many years. Um, <laughs> so it's let, the statue of a man. <laughs> so statue of a man in the House of Commons. I think he was around about 100 years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, had, he had a beard. <laughs> you look much younger than that, Jamil. And um, so let's let's talk about um, let's let's talk about sort of your sort of background. And one of the things I find fascinating about you guys is that you've you know you're building an organisation and once a troubled part of the United Kingdom, which is Hare Hills, uh, and you're really looking to sort of bring wealth and opportunity to it. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about how you met and uh, a, a little bit about uh, you know sort of what uh, your aspirations are and uh, your desires to uh, develop in Hare Hills? Yeah, uh, um, as Gareth here, Chris, uh, um, I met Jamil when I was at, uh, I was a director at Northern Gas Networks and um, an organisation that uh, works in the northeast. And Jamil had uh, uh, invited me to a, a seminar on entrepreneurship. And I went along and it was just such a, a great seminar and Jamil was so passionate about entrepreneurship that I just got uh, taken away with that, really. And, and he was talking about so many of the things that I've been passionate about over the last 20-odd years, as you say, um, that that just seemed a perfect fit in what I was trying to do, because I was in Northern Gas Networks at that time, trying to transform that organisation to what Jamil was doing. So um, I'd gone into Northern Gas Networks for a, a, a fixed period of time. And when that was nearing its end, we both talked and thought, I think we can achieve so much more together. And as you say, I think we both had the same sort of values that wanted to bring something meaningful to this area as well. So it seemed a perfect perfect fix. And over the last eight months I've been with Jamil, I think that's proved to be true. And that's why the organisation has grown so quickly. Excellent. One of the things I, I really loved about the two of you when we first met was the fact that in, 
in today's world and you know where international terrorism for example is high on our concern list you know you embody something that i think we need more of and that's integration between christian and muslim communities is this something that you sought to do consciously jamil well um it, it, i think it's more than christian and muslim i think it's about everybody really isn't it it's about uh, we're all all the all the people in the world they're on the planet you know for a for a period of time where we just got to learn to get on and uh I didn't actually seek to go and work with somebody like Gareth um, um, purely because of our background. Although we share diverse, you know, we, 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 we have different cultural backgrounds, we do have lots of other similarities, um, you know, a socioeconomic background. Um, we share passion for making a difference in the lives of others through training, coaching, and, you know, the kind of work that we do. And um, and when I first met Gareth, um, there was synergy, you know, during our first conversation about what, you know, what our values that were. Um, and we're on the same page in terms of helping employees and employers to get the best out of each other. So I think it's a byproduct, the fact that, you know, we have a, a different background um, that, that, that can, you know, and will um, help others to really go out and work with people from different backgrounds, really. Um, but I think uh, for us, it, we just share so many other things other than our background. Yeah, I haven't managed to grow a beard though, Chris. <laughs> do you, Do you think? I mean, what I also see with the the pair of you when we meet is that you've you know, you've got you've got some sort of different styles, which I think are really kind of complementary when growing a business. I know you're trying to grow a business quite quickly. Um, yes. I just wondered, you know. If, what well, your observations were on that, um, you know, on the balance between the two of you. Maybe, Gareth, you could uh, share your thoughts on that, really. No, uh, Chris, I think that's absolutely right. I think our styles are completely different. And, and I know we've talked before, Chris, a lot about this. And because our styles are, are so different, I think we can encapsulate what entrepreneurship is all about, which is really trying to free people to use their talents and their strengths to achieve the same goal. So you're right, we, we come from different cultural backgrounds, we have, we have different styles, we have um, different uh, uh, um, uh, strengths, but if we can accept our own strengths and use them properly, you can achieve anything actually. So um, what we've learned is it's the goal that matters, not that we're the same or we're different. And if we both buy into the goal and truly respect each other's strengths and talents, and I think that's true in organisations, by the way, I believe you can achieve anything. Well, so an observation I have of you is that, you know, Gareth, you don't mind me saying, I think you're very, you know, you're very visionary and you, you know, set out a, a, you know, a vision for the future and you spend quite a bit of time sort of thinking in the future. And it seems to me that, um, you know, what's great about your relationship with Jamil is that, you know, Jamil is kind of, so it's grounded in the now and can, and can make things then happen. Mm. Uh, I don't know if Jamil, if you see that as being one of your complementary attributes. I think it's a, it's a good thing for businesses to have that diversity. You need both vision and deliverer. Oh, well, I mean, you know, individually we can only achieve so much, isn't it? So and what, what Gareth's vision, his, the vision that he brought, he's brought to the Centre for Enterprises is we've gone from a kind of a regional organisation to an na international organisation. So um, he, he's, 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 you know, he shared that with us. We and he listens and he hears and and, and we we have a shared vision. So um, he, I think what we're doing here is is, is purely in, it's, it's entrepreneurship, isn't it? Because we have different experiences, we have different strengths, we have different focuses, but it's how we channel those and hear each other out, and thrash things out, and. That is not. It's easier said than done, isn't it? And then we have, and then we agree on a way forward. Um, so we we we're, we're, we're stubborn about our goal, but not necessarily about our method. Hmm. That's nice. So what what are you aiming to achieve together then with the Centre for Enterprise? Well, we want to help um, good organisations to become great, and great organisations to become outstanding. And it's basically a relentless pursuit of doing things better. Uh, working differently, working with a diverse range of people, with a diverse uh, range of professionals and experts. So um, we, you know, we just feel if we work with an organisation, they will see a marked difference. You know, they'll be able to see results, and we'll do that through people. You know, by working with people, by working with leaders, uh, so that organisation they, they actually achieve more with less. Mm. Which is pretty important today for. For most of us are just working in yesterday in the 
NHS with with people who are uh, you know having to manage with uh, much lower budgets, yes. but also improve uh, service quality at the same time. Yeah, and I, I think that's right, Chris. And I think I think what our passion is is about really transforming an organization and transforming people's lives within that organization it makes me cry you know that that people aren't motivated they're not engaged and 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 um work is most of their life but if if you could only untap that true talent within people that energy just imagine say like in the nhs what they could really achieve um and so this is probably my last gig you know um i've got to that sort of age and I think over the next five years, I truly want to make a substantial difference to, to the working lives of as many people as I can. That's very very noble purpose. Mm-hmm. Some, something I think we, uh, you know, that we all we all should have that uh, that, that noble purpose uh, to make a difference. I was always talk about you know, when you're older, being able to sit back and yeah. in, in your armchair with your Werther's original sweets and your cup of tea and your digestive biscuits and and actually got to look back and enjoy your life all over again. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite ready for that yet, Chris, but... Um, <laughs> well, um, one day we all will be. Yes, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I think, I think what Gareth just said, that's already started to happen. You know, um, the kind of organisation we're engaging with, the, the size, the types of organisation, educational institutions that wouldn't have even dared to do what we're doing with mm. them now, it's just phenomenal, mm. you know. Uh, I, I think some of these pioneering leaders in these uh, uh, further education colleges are going to be some of the unsung heroes of the future. Mm. You know, there'll be there'll, there'll be people writing case studies about them mm. because they just see the vision, that, you know, and, and, uh, and Gareth's gone in and been able to inspire them to actually, um, you know, do something about the challenges that they face rather than sort of doing the same or, you know, same old approach. Well, just looking at the title of this interview, Gareth, uh, yeah. g- giving organisations the power to fight off unicorns and survive and thrive. What, what in your definition is a, a, is a unicorn? Well, um, I look at all of those organisations, those agile startups who, who quite rightly are flexible and adaptable and fast-moving. And what they're doing are, um, is they're, they're either eating the dinosaurs for breakfast because they're too lumbering, they're too slow, they're too expensive, or I find even uh, more frightening that they're taking off all the fat, you know, all the profitable bits of an organization and leaving them with the bones. And and so what we, I don't think there's a choice to, to have status quo. I think there's many organizations out there, the NHS, councils, um, large private organizations, which will not survive in this very difficult um, um, climate because now because of technology, because of, of, of other changes on globalization, um, it just means that, that startups, somebody in a bedroom somewhere, can create a model which destroys your business in, in one minute. You know, you, you think with our organization here, I fully expect that over 80% of what we do will be online in, in, in 18 months' time. You know, you, 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 you can't look at the traditional ways of any organization and say that's how it should work um, because there's going to be somebody out there who's going to change that model and they're going to change it tomorrow. So that that's really what I mean, Chris, and that's why I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship and how, and how we change the way that existing organizations work. Jamil, when... Um I wonder, with you being an expert in entrepreneurship, uh, I think it might be an appropriate time, actually, just before the break, and we've got about three minutes, really, for you to really define and help people understand, actually, what is entrepreneurship? What do you mean by it? Because most people will be familiar with the concept of entrepreneurship, but what's entrepreneurship? Well, if we start by looking at what an entrepreneur is and then we can sort of see where it leads to, you know, how how we see entrepreneurship. And because it does start with people, you know, and as far as we're concerned, an entrepreneur is an employee that transforms their organization through their passion, involvement, innovation and focus on results. So there's more to entrepreneurship than the next big idea. You know, it's about learning and improving in every area of our work almost every day. Um, and once we get a majority of the workforce thinking and acting and behaving in that way, then we have entrepreneurship. Um, quite different from entrepreneurship because when the people hear that term, they think, well, it must be 
entrepreneurship on the inside of a company, well, actually, is quite distinct. Um, and as I've defined it, that's the way we see it at this moment of time. So, so I, as we, one of the ways reasons we met is I did a, I kind of did an interview or a show just on my own on engagement, uh, Gareth. And yeah. do you see a distinction between engagement and entrepreneurship? No, I don't actually. I, I, and you know that I'm I'm um, working a lot around engagement. But what I what I see engagement as, and, and you know, to be honest, I'm 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 even thinking we move from engagement to involvement. What what engagement is a very important part of entrepreneurship, as is freedom leadership, uh, as is adult to adult conversations. Um, uh, so there's a number of different areas around entrepreneurship, but one of those crucial parts is engagement. So I, I think you're absolutely right. When I heard you speak about engagement, I, I knew the type of guy I wanted to be. Thanks. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you got in touch with me. We're going we're to go to commercial break now, but after the break, we shall start to get uh, more into really understanding entrepreneurship and you know what's uh, what, what is really present when it's happening, and you know how we can start to really. Uh, fertilize and develop and, and grow it. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Do join us. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Uh, now, Gareth, uh, w- when we last met, you described to me your organization as being a bit like a Mercedes dealership. Um, representing high-quality products and talented people. However, you chose to base yourself in, in Hare Hills, as I mentioned earlier, in an inner-city area of Leeds, which uh, you know, once saw lots of unrest. And when the main Mercedes dealership is the other side of the city, not far from the Ferrari dealership, I wonder why you chose Hare Hills. You know, there's, there's a tiny um, risk. Uh, when I park my Mercedes up here, you know, I, I wonder why I've chosen their hills. But, um, you know, th- there's a serious point to this. If, if I go back to the Mercedes-Benz piece, um, firstly, um, what we're trying to create here with, with wonderful people, and I hope that includes you, Chris, uh, what, what we hope to build is like that Mercedes dealership of the absolute best of the best of people around engagement, transformation, innovation and, and entrepreneurship. And bring us all into one place so that we can almost be the Marvel Avengers of transformation and growth and innovation um, so that people can really come to us and make a difference. So that's what I meant by the Mercedes piece, you know, and and, and, and I think that's coming. But why Hair Hills? Well, you know, Jamil was here. Um, we're actually sitting in our new office that is a renovated 
um, from the school that Jamil came. And, th and this place has had a troubled background. You know, you mentioned it earlier. This place has a troubled background. Um, and what we thought we would do is rather than going to the centre of Leeds, which would be the normal thing, is just say we could grow this business and just say then that that success could stay in Hare Hills. So all our apprentices will come from Hare Hills, all our employees will come from Hare Hills. And it's even bigger than that. We're using suppliers in, in, in Hare Hills. So, so the, what we're trying to build over the next two years is an entrepreneurial community in Hare Hills. And already you're seeing signs of people lifting their heads, of having um, greater ambition, um, of, of opening shops of a, high, uh, uh, a, a far higher standard, because they're almost thinking this place is going places. Mm -hmm. So we played a very small part in that, but I want to play a part in that. So it's really important that what we do is we stick to our roots. And as we grow, Hare Hills grows, and we make this um, a, a really successful multicultural society. I, I really, I really admire you for doing that. And you know, my question might have sounded even, even slightly arrogant. It wasn't intended to be because I think what I, you know, I've been, I've, one of the things I admire with you, you guys, actually, you talk about entrepreneurship of being about employees who transform. But actually, what I think is is great about what you're doing is you, you have stick to your roots, but you're you're trying to transform. Yes. Uh, the roots as well through developing your business there and that shine center where you're based I think is a which is which is Jamil's old school is a an amazing example isn't it it's an absolute oasis in there really you, you don't expect that when you walk in in, in it um, that this place would kind of you know shine and have the energy that it does yeah I agree I agree and and, and it, you know what, what you can do and you see the the shine center and what that's done Chris is you know, if you're not careful, people's expectations are so long, uh, so low in an area, you know. And so for many people around here, when Jim Mealman is better than me, their, their, their highest expectation is to become a cab driver, you know, because that's, that's what they see around here, you know, and that becomes their limiting expectation. Well, through shine and in little ways, I hope, through us, we're sort of showing you can lift your head a lot higher than that and achieve almost anything you want to. Yeah. Yeah, and if you can be a bit of a catalyst for the, you know, for the whole area, exactly right to transform. Then, you know, you're you're following your purpose, and you're demonstrating you're demonstrating that you're doing what you you you're helping organisations to do as well. Yeah, um, that's right. That's a great story. Um, what are the consequences when entrepreneurship isn't present? Do you think? I I think if I can start on that, I I, I think that the, the the consequences are. Um, that, that one, the dinosaurs don't survive, you know, as we, as we talked about earlier, because they're, they're, they're not agile enough and there's not enough, you talk about this a lot, Chris, there's not enough goodwill in the bank of their employees, you know. Mm -hmm. I've been in organisations and, uh, um, and, and the employees have hated the organisation so much that say if the, the, the delivery guy go, gets sent to the wrong address, he'll just sit there and wait for somebody to, to tell him where he should go next, you know, because they're so disconnected from the business. So you, you put your business in, 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 in great jeopardy because you have no goodwill, you have no innovation in that business. And of course that opens you to the unicorns. But I honestly think it's almost becoming irrelevant, Chris. Um, this strange breed, the millennials, you know, you know I'm, a, I'm a baby boomer, you know, but this strange breed that the, these kids that I've helped to bring up and we've all brought up, who are so different to us, who we told their opinions matter, you know, that, that, that they should do what they think is right. Well, they were no longer um, thrive under command and control sort of organisations, you know. They don't want a work-life balance. They want to work when I want balance. They want yeah. to work where I want, you know, when I want, how I want, use my own kit. So if you're going to keep the best and the brightest of, of the people coming in the organisation, I think you have to be entrepreneurial in some way. Um, so that that's my view on consequences. I think the status quo is dead. It, it's just then how do you move forward? And I think um, if you want innovation, you want to grow. And remember, of course, for the first time in our lives um, and our first times in our parents' lives, we're in, we're in a, a, a global situation of no growth. So you're not going to grow simply because the population grows. You're going to actually have to take share, market share. Well, only the good are going to survive in this market. Um, so that's my view. I don't know if, you know, Jamil, you want to 
say something? Well, Gareth is the expert on that, and he's spot, he's spot on, really. Um, so I, I, I think it, it's when we talk about change, it's not about change for the sake of it. It's there is a phrase uh, where we talk about, you know, we imagine a light at the end of the tunnel for for ourselves, for our families, for our businesses, but we never imagine the tunnel at the end of the light. And that's what we have to do. You know, we have to think about what are the threats, what are the difficulties, what are the challenges. And Gareth just just highlighted those, you know, the, the, the aspects to do with the growth and how we can get that growth. I think, I think, uh, I think you raise a really, really important um, point in there. And, and there's a number of points. But the one that really resonates with me is the, what you just said, Gareth, there about, you know, baby boomers running businesses for... With, with young people coming in as their employees, mm. uh, I, I've seen over the last few months. I've seen situations whereby, um, you know, companies to stop people coming in five minutes late, they've um, had made people sign in. Yes. Um, I've even, you know, had a situ situation where uh, an organisation um, <laughs> put a note out saying people had to ask permission to go to the toilet. Can you believe it? Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's archaic, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. I, I, and I think, I think Chris, you're saying something profound, and, and, and I feel like a fraud here because probably I've, I've, I've spent 20 years training people how to manage people, and, it, and I'm a slow thinker. It took me 25 years to realize that actually people don't need to be managed at all. You know, um, I don't manage them in any other part of their life, do I? They go home, they buy houses, they marry, they divorce, they have affairs, they have children, and I don't manage that at all. Why suddenly when they come into an organization do I have to think that they're children and they need to be managed? I have to put on the stairs, please hold the handrail, or you know, in the toilets, please wash your hands. This is crazy, you know? We, we, we don't need to manage people. People manage themselves. What we need to give them is absolutely value-driven ambitions that they can buy into and a clear direction. I'll be honest, I think the rest they'll do for themselves and not have those little petty rules as you talk about. Well, I think, and I think you know, also with what you're saying there is, I was working with an organization yesterday and you know what we just simply did is we looked at the behaviors that people really admire in an office that helps everything elevate forward and we looked at those behaviors that, um, that the bad behaviors that get in the way and help and we agreed a list of things that people were going to you know adopt and work and, and those things that people were going to avoid. Yes. Some, the, the challenge though with that is actually then the senior management has got to behave that way too. Otherwise, if they're inconsistent and they're, you know, going against those principles, they they set the they set the standard for everybody else, don't they? They 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 set the uh, the behavioural norms really. I think you're so I think you're so right, Chris. And and I think uh, to be honest, now um, I don't know how you feel. I, I if if there's not a buy-in from the senior team, I walk away really because I. I think if I go into an organisation and I talk about change, and, and, and I agree with you, nothing changes, less behaviour changes, that unless those behaviours are going to be exhibited at the highest level, to be honest, we're wasting our time, you know, because uh, people will see, they'll know them from their actions and, uh, and, and they'll know that what we're saying is not true. So I, I, I think you're absolutely spot on on that. Do, do, do you find, Jamil, that... Um, I, I just I find some organisations I go into. I just feel I feel sad when I see the potential that there is in those organisations to transform and improve by doing the simple things and getting the basics right. When actually the leaders just aren't prepared to change their their habits, uh, and so in some ways they they mean the organisation is like trying to drive with its brakes on all the time. Do you, do you see that with some of your customers? Well, uh, I feel that sometimes organizations will need some protocols as they grow. You know, they need systems and processes, but we, organizations don't realize why, whilst putting those protocols and processes in and procedures, they um, also stifle um, creativity, they stifle, you know, um, people becoming passionate about the workplace. So uh, it's leaders, I'm sure, well-meaning. Uh, it's being careful about when they put regulations, etc. In and Gareth can tell you about working in highly, highly regulated businesses. You know, we do need 
um, procedures, procedures, etc. But at the same time, as you just mentioned, Chris, we need to keep things simple. And you know, simple is hard in a way. You know, if you mm. if you ask people to reduce process from 42 processes down to three, you know, is that possible? And you know, that's where we need to be. Uh, the challenge is for leaders to keep things very simple and and allow people to use their creativity uh, and, and it is as simple as that and what, what do you what do you really see feel and hear and experience when entrepreneurship is really present to me what you know what, what what's it like well we talk about that a lot here because what we see when we see an entrepreneurial um organization is we've we see an energized and engaged workforce that's empowered to solve their challenges. We see people across the whole organization working together to a common goal. We, we, you know, we, we have a feeling of positivity and excitement in the workplace where people begin to say, oh no, it's Friday, you know, um, and thank goodness it's Monday. Um, we experience people sharing ideas and helping each other. We experience innovation. We experience people solving problems that seemed unsolvable. Um, and that, you know, again, that means that people have to take time about talking to each other, listening to each other, and believing and trusting each other. Have you, have you one, one thing I'm sort of noticing a, a little bit of a trend towards, uh, Gareth, is, is that some organizations almost creating, you know, parts or streams of the business that are more entrepreneurial. Uh, and um, rather than the rest of the organisation, so it might be trying, you know, trying to get a particular key new venture or opportunity forward. Are, are you seeing that as a, as a I am seeing that, and I've seen it for two reasons. One, just for the logical reason that some parts need to be more innovative, and I'm sure you've seen that, Chris. Mm. But but also, I, I think it's quite important, particularly for organisations becoming entrepreneurial and, in, and innovative, is that you take a group of the willing. Um, I think um, often we've had this awful idea that you know unless the slowest come with us, you, you know, um, none of us can come. You, you, you know, we'll go at the speed of the slowest, which is madness. You don't do that in any, any other part of your life. And I think sometimes what's really powerful in an organization is that a part of it becomes truly entrepreneurial, as, as Jamil has described, um, because then you'll often find others can see that behavior and like it. And that starts then that viral change of other parts of the organisation becoming more innovative. So I am seeing that, and I think that's very healthy. That's a really, uh, really good, yeah, a good, you know, a good way, isn't it, to um, uh, to, to try and educate people, mm. <laughs> showing yeah. an example. And I can imagine projects like that can become quite, for some people, you know, very attractive to get involved in. Yes, and I also think something Jamil said um, just a little bit earlier, I think it's very important. I think we use people's strengths. There are, there are some people who their strengths are the state, you know, the steady eddy, you know, the, 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 the status quo, the, the process pieces. And in most organisations, there's parts of that where you need that. I, I, I don't decry those people. It's very important. But it's making sure then you've got those who really want to be innovative in the right places. Yeah, that makes uh, makes a lot of lot of sense. Sometimes, I guess I, I've been involved with a was involved for eighteen months. With a really exciting, huge project, and I think what the organisation did for start was actually they, you know, they brought people like myself in to help them with something that was more innovative and more, on, more entrepreneurial. Kept um, the existing business uh, running um, very effectively with, uh, with with lots of steady hands, and then over time gradually sought to involve those people in the new venture um, and I think well the sensible thing was it you know kept kept the business ticking forward and performing well uh, and uh, a new exciting opportunity was created with some outside help that could then be you know, re-interned. I think that I think that's right Chris I think, I think it's about allowing to come with you and forcing them you know, you know. Um, and so I think that that example you you you've, you've just stated is perfect. And I do think often they do need great people like yourself, or sometimes us, a, an external person to come in to help them on that journey. Actually, excellent. Well, we're going to go to commercial break again now. And um, do join us after the break. Uh, we're going to be really starting to look at um, some of the things people need to do to help their people become uh, much more entrepreneurial and we'll explore a little bit um, what is freedom leadership what's adult to adult conversation I'm, I'm intrigued so we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes do join us 
out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities. And then apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. The two people that you, you inspire me, Gareth Bullen and Jamil Ahmed. Want to find out more about um, shows and information um, that we occasionally send out to um, to help you with who's coming up and take on on shows etc do go to chriscooper.co.uk and do subscribe to the newsletter there now gareth you did mention a, a couple of things when you were defining entrepreneurship and you mentioned freedom leadership and adult to adult conversation what do you mean by that put simply i guess chris and they are connected by the way um uh is this what freedom leadership does is is it's about freeing people to use their talents and their their strengths, which I mentioned earlier. In other words, that the role of the leader is not to to manage, not 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 to constrain, but to free people up to be able to do their roles to the highest of their ability. So, what great freedom leaders are, and 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 you know, I think you're one of those, Chris, if you don't mind me saying, oh, are those who can inspire. You said something earlier about me, actually, and that was kind of you. Um, those who can describe properly um, a vision um, of where we're going, you know, in a meaningful way, those people who can coach, those people who can mentor. Uh, and so freedom leadership is about, um, so we come to the second point, is understanding that people aren't children, they're adults. And I mean this in two ways. You know, you either get an organisation where you have this command and control and you and you get this sort of, um, awful sort of critical parent to child relationship, you know, when you will be done to and you will be told off and we'll catch you out doing things right. But over evolution, you even get those organizations which is sort of that nurturing parent to child, you know, where we're protective of our little children out there, um, that we, we, we put them in cotton wool, you know, that we don't tell them the truth even when the business is going badly. That's not freedom leadership and that's not adult to adult. Um, I have to passionately believe that we've employed adults in this organization, you know, professionals, fellow professionals. That's why I like the word involvement. And so this is a community of fellow professionals working towards a shared goal. Um, so you change your whole way you talk to people. You change your whole way that you think about people. You change your whole attitude to your employees um, so that we become an equal community. I used to say Northern Gas Networks, you know, Sure, my my job is to give direction because I'm called a director. That you know, there's a hint in the name, but it's it's for everybody else. Then once they sign up to that direction, to think of the best way that they can achieve that. So freedom is about a, allowing a community of people to achieve your aim in the best way that they can. I think that's really really kind of helpful. I think a, a few weeks ago um, I, I interviewed. Uh, a guy called Peter Comrie in, from uh, Toronto, uh, sorry, Vancouver area, sorry, and he was uh, saying in his research that uh, he, he 
found that only 3% of people he would really describe as true leaders. 97% of people are generally following. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said out of those um, 97%, about 20% deliver 80% of the value. And it's the same with the 3%. Um, 20% deliver about 80% of the value of, of contribution. And he said those figures, you know, he's, through his career, he's, uh, they've really kind of stood the test of time. And I wonder, you know, how, how do we find the people to really lead and, and transform um, you know, for, and and to to really lead an intra- a very entrepreneurial organisation, because like, it must be quite difficult if those statistics are correct. Can I, can I give my thoughts, Chris? Mm. And then pass over to Jamil. I, I, I think actually, what what happens if we can take a step back is that for many of us, um, we we strive to be managers, you know, because you get respect and you get recognition and you get better pay, actually. Uh, so for a lot of people who, who don't have natural emotional intelligence, who can't inspire very well, who can't coach, are forced into that role because there's no other. And I think the organisations I see which are really succeeding are those which really value specialism and knowledge and experience and pay for that and don't make people pretend they're they're a leader when they'll never be a leader. And I think then you start skewing those numbers you just talked about because you really identify those who can lead in the way that we've talked about. Um, So that's my view anyway. Do you have any thoughts, Jamil, on uh, some of these key things people need to do to help people become more entrepreneurial? I think... um, between the two, you covered most of the things. But I think going back to the point about um, trusting people, um, listening to people more, uh, just providing the clear vision and goal and allowing people to find the way. So it's almost setting the goal and allowing people to find the way and um, allowing people to be themselves, you know, um, and be not, that, that's when people, when people are authentic and themselves, that's when they start to perform. Um, so reducing, you know, prescriptive ways of doing things, you know, um, under, the, under associated bureaucracy. And that's hard. As you say, it's difficult. Uh, going back to the point that Gareth made, you know, as managers, we want to be seen because we've got this authority that has been bestowed upon us. And we just think we have to exercise it. We can exercise it in a very different way, you know, rather than imposing it. So uh, I think between us, you know, I, th- I think it's really... Um, allowing people to be adults in the workplace and just feeling good about it because you know the law of human nature is that we all want to feel significant is about what Gareth was saying you know um, we've had great careers and at this stages of our lives we want to we want to sort of make a difference on a, on a much bigger scale and it's that significance that people want everyone's that people come to the workplace not to why do we have disengage and workplace conflict look at the alarming statistics why do we have that you know if if you ask people do you come into the workplace to give each other bother and be disruptive most people don't get out of bed feeling like that what happens in the workplace is because we put people in a straitjacket and they get frustrated and it manifests itself into you know miscommunication or what you know we know what that leads to mm-hmm. Well, something I've been reminded of this week, which I think is helpful to think about, is uh, it, it, it was a quote from I read in *The Speed of Trust* by Stephen M. R. Covey. Uh, I just thought it was something that was very relevant to a situation I, I, I came across this week. Um, but it's the it's the principle of if things are are going well, look through the window and give the praise to people and acknowledge others and be grateful for them and energizing with them but if things are going badly uh, take a look in the mirror yes i, I, think, yeah, I think that's so right chris um and, and i think that's right because going back to the what we we're discussing earlier um it's the leader's role to help um people understand the direction and it's the leader's role to help people identify their own strengths and talents and so if things are going wrong i'd start there um, because that's the problem we have, not with the, the vast majority of the employees. Yeah, and if you find some organisations are uh, going through enormous amounts of disciplines with staff and things yes. like that, and you think, well, actually, you know, <laughs> you, time to look in the mirror, guys. 
Yeah, well, it's a bit like the man who's still on his fifth marriage, isn't it? You start thinking it may not be the women that were wrong, you know? And if you keep um, having to sack everybody, you might start thinking it may not be them. Um, it might be you. Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there a risk of losing control if your staff are more entrepreneurial? There, there is, there is. And, and, and I think it's, it's really important that people don't, think that entrepreneurship is anarchy it's not um uh, it really is not and, and um i i went into northern gas networks you know uh, uh, um and um i was asked in by a, a highly inspirational leader a guy called mark horsley who needed to turn that organization from a command and control organization to to to, to one that was really involved and, and really successful and the gas industry needs to be highly controlled and so what you need to be able to do is, 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 is really communicate with folks the things, the processes, the systems which are fixed. You know, we, we, we can't move on either because of regulation or because of safety or because of law. But the danger is that we um, overstate um, what needs to be controlled. And it's about that honesty and trust to realise actually a lot of things don't need control at all. But I do think, you know, your danger is that you badly start this thing off and people think everything's up for grabs. Well, that's the road to madness. <laughs> have, you got, have you got any examples of entrepreneurship you know, from your experience that you really, you know, really demonstrate the point and, uh, uh, you know, a positive case study? If I took... Um, Mark Horsley and Northern Gas Networks, what they do is they put gas pipes in the road. And when he asked me to come and join him and help him, that organisation had a horrendous employee engagement survey just completed, I mean, horribly low. They'd been fined by the regulator because they'd missed their standards. On the league tables, they were the worst at customer service. Through Mark's courage of moving away from a command and control style of leadership, to one that was fully involving that freedom leadership we talked about. From Mark's courage to actually build a group of the willing around a very clear proposition, you know, of, of what we needed to achieve that inspired people. Um, uh, through Mark's courage not to know exactly how people were doing everything, but allowed them to find the best way to do it. That organisation over a two-year period, Chris, to turn to an employee engagement level um, as high as some of the best retailers in the UK, including John Lewis, um, scored higher than any other utility on customer service, doing so well that the head of the regulator came for the first time ever, came to an organisation to see why they, they did it, um, and won 11 national awards for customer service and employee engagement in this country. That's the power of entrepreneurship uh, and what you can achieve. Wow, it's going to be an organisation that people are going to want to join, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and interestingly enough, a highly regulated business, so it, it does tie into your earlier point. Very high regulated gas industry, which proved it could be entrepreneurial and really excite people and, and get them motivated. So, so can, can any organisation become entrepreneurial, Jamil? Can any organisation? Of course, because uh, organisations are made of people. And if you if you if you trust people, if you provide them with the right skills, um, support mechanisms, coaching, um, you can do that. You know, there's I think we mentioned the report, CIPD report, um, on this uh, research on this area, where they've got examples of companies with ten staff uh, on one end of the spectrum, and companies with um, hundreds thousand staff on the other end of the spectrum. So it's it's you know, possible for organisations in any sector, whether public sector, private sector. Uh, there are lots of case studies of, um, you know, the US State Department had a massive initiative. A council, Monmouthshire Council, had a massive initiative. So um, it's applicable to any organisation. But obviously, as Gareth said, it's got to be managed. You've got to have the right team in there to be able to do with people who understand the different perspectives and dimensions of this. Uh, you know, area so that uh, you get the best out of the whole experience. Brilliant, thank you. Well, I just, I'm just sort of interested. We're moving towards the uh, close now. We've got a, a couple of minutes. Uh, and do you have any final messages that you'd uh, like to uh, leave us with? Uh, maybe Jamil, do you want to start? Um, well, the final message is to to 
to employees and employers. To, the messages to employees is that, uh, as Gareth just alluded, it, it, you know, if you keep moving from one job to another, just think about it. Is it the employer or is it you? Yeah. So you, you you've got to think, right? You know, so you've got to be flexible and adaptable. Um, look at what the emerging skills are, you know, at the moment, and go and learn. You know, take learning uh, upon yourself. Take ownership of your own learning. Don't rely on your employer. Put yourself on courses. Nowadays, you can go and do so many courses online. So that's the message to employees. The message to employers is, um, you know, you have to create a workplace culture which allows, you know, the freedom leadership um, culture where people can really make a contribution and feel good about it because people do come in for a salary. But as I said, they also need to leave that door at the end of the day feeling I've made a difference, you know, and we can't just allow 10 people out of 100 to feel like that. We've got to engage, you know, you've got companies like Zappos, you're going to engage everybody. So that's the challenge, you know, so that, there's two messages there. And where people feel valued and the best companies of the future are going to be the ones where um, entrepreneurs will, uh, will go to them and say, oh, that's the company I want to be. And those are the ones that are going to get the best return on their investment from their employees. Excellent. I think in ter terms of uh, online learning, as there is just to, might be, there's just 200 hours now of, of content with amazing people that have had the pleasure, like Jamil and Gareth, to listen to. I reckon if you listen to a couple of those a week, uh, every week, you would be your mind would be um, fizzing with ideas that you can contribute uh, and help you to transform yourself and your organisation. Um, so just very quickly, uh, Gareth and yourself. I'll go. I'll go very quickly. I think. Look for leaders. Let people manage themselves. Um, let them use all their talents and strengths. Um, uh, excite them with a, a, a simple, value-driven ambition, and, and then I promise you, you can transform your organisation so that it becomes legendary. Individuals who are out there making a difference with great intentions, and I think you're focusing on a fabulous area with regards to entrepreneurship. Uh, and uh, just a pleasure to know you, and to, and to people like you in my network are really out there, genuinely making a difference. And if you want to find out more about Gareth and Jamil and the Centre for Entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, go to sorry, Centre for Enterprise. I do apologise. Um, go to www.centreforenterprise.org. If you've got any questions or feedback on the show, please don't send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk or connect with Gareth and Bullen through, uh, through the centreforenterprise.org. Uh, once again, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure today. I hope you've enjoyed it. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.